Welcome to another edition of Sports in the Try. This is Jeff Morrill, along with Parker Hodge, the producer. We started this podcast back in July. We've had, I don't know, Parker, what do you think? About 12, 13 of these podcasts now, and they seem to be uh, growing in, in popularity, which I hope that continues. It's uh, just a, a chance for us to talk about local sports and to talk with local sports figures. Today, we have a really, really, really good person on this uh, podcast. It's one of my favorite all-time coaches. Her name is Chris Erickson. She's the longtime soccer coach at Kamaikan High School for Girls. Let's talk a little bit about this offseason. What, if anything, have you been able to do with your Kamaikan girls soccer team? I mean, at this point, you would normally have probably eight or nine games under your belt on a regular season. Yes, it's very strange. I just keep thinking I'm supposed to be somewhere, but there's nowhere to be. <laughs> Actually, the Kennewick School District is starting training. We can start working with our players under specific guidelines. And if I remember the, the guidelines for phase two, it's they have to be in pods of like four to five players. Is that right? Right. Yeah, we we can have six in a pod and okay. we have to coordinate with another sport, like we're coordinating with basketball because they're training too. This is kind of the subplant of the summer activity that we would have. What can you do in, in a pod? Well, you know, a lot of it will be individual skill work, and then we can play 3v3, but they all have to be mm-hmm. in that pod the whole practice every time you practice. So, I mean, it'd be, to me, a lot of individual skills and maybe some passing and you know you have to keep a distance from each pod and the coaches have to be a certain difference so it's not distance so it's not like we're going to be all spread out so it'll be a small area and it'll be very technical and hopefully we can come up with a variety of ways to play 3v3 <laughs> when they were talking about basketball uh, and during phase two you could only each player had to have their own ball but because you're kicking the ball right. in soccer you probably don't need to have each player with his, with their own ball they did not specifically address that this time. I know at the beginning of the summer when they thought maybe we were going to be able to train, they were talking like each player had to have their own ball. They're not saying that now, but you do have to keep the balls in that pod. If this was a normal year, when would you have started to, I mean, would you have summer programs for the girls? When would that usually start? After the state tournament for the spring sport. We're allowed to start okay, so um, practicing in June. And, and, in June, yeah, maybe, and basically. until I, August first. Do you guys go to camps or anything, or, or is it just you're you're working out well, on you, your own? You know, Kamaiakan girls had a strong tradition of going to camps outside of the state for many many mm-hmm. years, and then they the district redefined the rules and limited teams to two or 300 miles, and oh. we did do a few. We did WSU, but, I mean, prior to that, we did UNC twice. Oh, wow. We did Duke four times. We did University of Florida. We did Notre Dame twice. We Holy went to cow. University of Portland. We, I mean, we really were. Uh, but, but the other thing, you know, everything changes, and the players are playing club ball. They have more conflict as yeah. well in the summer. Mm -hmm. So I try not to create conflict with those situations. So it's it's just different, but we have gone to camps before. 
Okay. Okay. Well, and you've gone to some, seems like almost every major oh. uh, division one women's right. program can too. Holy cow. Yes. And um, through that, um, we've, we've had some players recruited as well. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that here pretty soon about having players recruited. That's pretty impressive. Okay. What is the game plan for you? As long as everything stays on course between now and I think you guys start in late February or, or early March, don't you? Right. We start uh, March 3rd, and I think it's through mm-hmm. May 4th. I talked to Anthony Owens last week, who's the new CBC men's basketball coach. He says, I, I got to be careful about burning these guys out. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you, that's something you have to worry about. I'm not concerned about this fall. I mean, we have until November 19th. And mm-hmm. because other sports are practicing we really can't even go five days a week because they can't go twice in the same day. So okay. I don't see that, that burnout happening in the fall. And then prior to the start of our season on March 3rd, we can do a month of open gym. So I, I don't see us burning out. And our season is actually shorter. I believe we're only it having is, 12 it? games instead of 16. So, in fact, it'll be kind of short and sweet. That's true that with the 12 games, that should be a pretty good little schedule, though, I would think. You're not going to get to play yeah. everybody twice. Do you have any idea what the postseason is going to look like? Because there's only like, what, two weeks of that, isn't there? I'm not sure. But yeah. I know that we have quite an intense playoff season, although I think 3A was better than 4A last year. But sometimes yeah. you get us playing so many games, it's just you're just trying to avoid injuries. But it won't be that way this spring. It'll be condensed. No. That's right. That's right. Now you 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 guys are going to from 3A to 4A this yes. year. Obviously you're still playing everybody in the conference whether they're 3A or 4A. Does that change anything as far as you can see? I think that the the biggest impact will be that Richland is going to be a top gun in our area in the 3A 4A mm-hmm. here. And so we will be, you know, 4A with them. So uh, you know, we'll be competing in the playoffs. You know, yeah. in, in a regular situation, if we were 4A, Richland 4A, we could see them again. But then, you know, I've done this so many times. Playoffs are just know, like, right? you, can't, you, you can't really say, oh, now we're going 4A. It's, we're just, it's going to be so much tougher. Because it, it might not be like, there were years where we, 3A was better than 4A. And yeah, even, exactly. even when you went on to the state level, the 3A was stronger than mm-hmm. the 4A. So it's just. It just depends on the year and who the teams are. You guys should be up near the top of the standings this year, I would imagine. I think we'll do well. I thought we did well last year for having graduated 11 seniors, 10 of who were starters. And then yeah. we came back last fall and had two seniors. had a very young team. So I thought we did well um, last season. And we have all those players coming back. and. Probably nice. we'll get a few freshmen as well. So, yeah. But I I yeah. think we'll do so. we'll do well. When you first started, was it more upperclassmen cracking the lineup rather than freshmen? Or, and I guess I'm curious as to how the athletes are today compared to back when you first started. Are they a lot better? I think there's always been good athletes. As the years have gone by, players are training more and more and Mm -hmm. doing more club soccer. And so they're just more trained soccer players or more skilled soccer players. 
but they're not necessarily any better athletes. In the beginning, I think we it was much more likely that an underclassman, a freshman, for instance, would make varsity and even start. Not not to say that that was always the case, but more generally so. Like we would we would get a class of freshmen and seven of them would play and start in the, in the early 90s. I think two years ago, we only had one freshman that made varsity okay. and played, and she started. So that's a huge difference. Let's take a look at your record. You and I talked before we started this podcast. You have 485 career victories. You started at Kamiakin in 87. And, and we're not quite sure how many losses. You, you think it might be, uh, this is a not an exact estimate, but you, 106 losses. But, I mean, 40, 485 wins is incredible. And then I start looking at the WIA website, and um, I've got you, in the last 10 years, your teams have gone to state seven times. You've had a second place, a third place, a third place. In the, in the decade before that, 2000 to 2009, you had five teams go to state, two fourth-place finishes. In the 90s, you had nine teams go to state with two seconds and a fourth. And then uh, your very first year, you went to state in 87. 23 years, you, you had a team go to state. That, that's pretty impressive. What's your secret? Mike and us talented athletes, I'll give a lot of credit to the players. And honestly, I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> I guess it's, I just well, try it, to it, take it, the players that we have and, and, and play them to the best advantage to our team. You're a very flexible type of coach where you say, okay, maybe we don't have the best defensive team uh, this season, but we've got a great offensive team. We're going to have to just attack. Yeah, I think I just I, – I, I tried – I expressed to my team that our culture is winning and our our job is mm-hmm. to do the best we can. It's not all about winning. It's about performing right. every day in practice and, and being competitive in practice so that we have that mentality. And then, you know, like I said, I, I try to take what we have and take the players that we have and build from what they bring us and how they can complement our team we figured out what you've had at least 60, probably more like 75 athletes that have played for you that have gone on to either two-year or four-year colleges afterwards and played on the, on the next level. Um, so maybe that goes to a combination of their talent and your coaching and your coaching staff's coaching, you think? That's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I think so. A, a specific player comes to mind um, mm-hmm. for me, and that's, um, Brittany Sparks. I okay. don't know if you remember her, but she was um, she ran track for Kamaikin. She played mm-hmm. club soccer till about seventh or eighth grade and quit. She didn't want to do it anymore, and so she, but she played for Kamaikin, and um, she ended up being a great forward for scoring tons of goals, and then she went on to play at. Eastern and had a phenomenal career there. Um, nice. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm thinking there, I'm just thinking that she was the player that really personified that player that you take and you see what you have and you develop her and she becomes a huge part of your team. You talk about Brittany Sparks and you've had a number of great players and uh the one that always will come to mind first uh is your daughter Naotis. 
Otis Erickson, who uh, was in 1996 the Parade Magazine uh, High School Player of the Year. And she scored, if I remember correctly, 132 career goals at yeah. Kamiakin. Mm-hmm. Uh, went on to Notre Dame. And then after mm-hmm. Notre Dame, she actually uh, played professionally here in the U.S. And, and what, what was, I think, uh, wasn't it that league kind of a precursor to what they have now? Yeah. As far as mm-hmm. professional? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was. It, well, how was it coaching old. her? That had to be That had to be fun. It was fun. She um, she always worked hard, and she was such a smart player, and she was fortunate to also have a lot of additional coaching outside of high school and club with the ODP program. So she mm-hmm. brought a wealth of knowledge to the game and our program. And so, it was, you know, she was the kind of player that you actually learned from because she was getting this outside coaching and bringing things. And it was very fun. You know, it was, it was tough, too, because coaching your own kid isn't always easy but it, it was it was it was very fun to coach her what is she up to now she's up to her eyeballs in soccer <laughs> you know she was pretty calm with the coaching just coaching locally her son's team and her daughter's team she has a son that's she has four kids but she has a 12 a, a nine a seven and a five and but then recently i think in june she was hired for academy team club which is the high level uh it's academy team for the boys um she was hired Mm -hmm. as the girls director for the academy and so she's running that program oversees the other coaches and then she also coaches two girls teams and she's oh wow as we speak just finishing her c licensing and has been invited to coach odp and um so she's She's very busy. I mean, I think it's a bit overwhelming right now, but she'll settle in once she gets a handle on. But no, she's really enjoying it, and she's getting um, to coach with some great coaches herself. So, and and love watching her kids play. I I was actually just got back on Tuesday. I went out there to visit her, and I ended up taking her kids to practices and that. So, are we talking the the Boston area? Boston. Yes, I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. say. Yes, okay. she's in Boston, the Boston area, right? Yeah, I figured that's where she was. I think that's where she ended her professional career, wasn't it? it was in Boston. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, any other players in, that you that you remember fondly? That you know, played? Ari Skorpik, um, actually. Oh yes. Was so fun to coach. She was just a, a fireball, and you know, she was so she, she was, was really so into small, but she was a really good basketball player too. Yes, and I think. You know, she didn't, I don't think she did any club soccer, very little, but right. she was a, such a good basketball player. And basketball players always bring a lot to the soccer field. And I I think soccer players take a lot to the basketball court. Mm-hmm. So she was just, she was a second leading scorer for Kamiakin. She has like, I want to say 94 goals. But she mm-hmm. was also probably the fourth highest scorer in the MCC. I don't. Wow. I don't know that for sure, but I know that the ones that I've kept, like, I think it, uh, Hope had. Uh, I don't know. Was she around a hundred? Hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And Hope then, solo. Yeah. Uh, Jory and then, but Kelly Keevy for Hanford. Oh, Hanford had yep. more than Hope. 80s, I think. Late eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, but Ari had ninety four. But she was just, 
she she was one who came in as a freshman and made a huge impact immediately. And then actually mm-hmm. her younger sister, Jory, played for us and made okay. a huge impact. And so that was kind of fun to coach because um, they were pretty spread out in age. And then uh, the Brannons, we had three Brannons that were fantastic for us. Oh, Wendy yeah. Brannon, Macy, and um, Brianna. And then also Lindsay Martin was just a great leader oh, yeah. for us. And she played she played at Eastern, and so did Whitney play at Eastern mm-hmm. and Brianna. Lindsay's actually our, our assistant coach now, so really a lot of fun. A couple of years ago, you know, the Donises were fantastic players for us more recently. Sarah Pravat and the class that she was mm-hmm. in there's some great players in that group and you know we we had we've had some good goalkeepers some really good coaches yes. Stephanie Middleton was our keeper the first yep. year I started coaching and she probably holds rec I, we did not keep track of goalkeeping stats very well but she that year I remember her she was incredible she was all conference mm-hmm. and of course that's what got us to second place in the playoffs that year because she saved her bacon oh. so many times in goal. Yeah. She was a great goalkeeper. Yeah. Ellie Hayden. Yes. Ellie Hayden. Yeah. That's, and she that's went good on for to, a second. She went on BYU, yeah, where she was uh, running and track. She was fantastic. I mean, she was she got a goal in the last 10 seconds of a game of the game at state that took us into the championship. What is it about mm-hmm. soccer and coaching soccer that just still excites you so much? You know, I just, you know, like I said, I was in Boston and I'm watching these games and the whole time I'm taking notes and I'm thinking, what would I do there? How would I play that? What would I do with that player? I was watching a U14 uh, boys team and looking at the mm-hmm. style of play. I, I just, I just enjoy figuring the game out and what to do with players and how to play them. I'm, I love athletics. I was a competitor, an athletic competitor myself, and I just love athletics. And I also really enjoy helping girls have the opportunity to be part of athletics. I didn't get to compete in high school. Title IX wasn't there yet, and mm. I missed that. So I, I really think I, I, it's like I'm feeding this hunger that I've had forever and ever. And I think that's why I'm still coaching because, I mean, Mm-hmm. I guess I could be taking lots of vacations or something, but I, I just really enjoy the <laughs> Not, game. And, and I, I enjoy the kids. I mean, in my own way, I really yeah. enjoy coaching these kids. Okay. Well, listen, uh, it's been so much fun talking to you today. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, can't wait till we can all start getting back on the, on the fields and the courts and, and just start competing again. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.